It is an honor to be here today. Thank you, Pastor Rick and the entire uh, leadership team here, the GO team, for allowing us to be here, for arranging this. It is our joy to be able to be one of your partners, uh, one of your global GO partners, and just to be a part of what, um, for you guys to be a part of what we're doing, and then this morning for us to be a part of what you're doing here. Um, As has already been mentioned, my wife and kids are here with me, my wife Sarah and our four kids. We served together in Vietnam. When we first went to Vietnam, we just had two kids. Uh, But I like to jokingly say that since then, we've added two more that were made in Vietnam, but with American parts. Uh, Yeah, but uh, we are the Morris family and have been in Vietnam for 12 years and just thank God for all that he is doing there and allowing us to be a part of that. Our foremost burden and our vision is to see the gospel proclaimed and churches planted in places where the church does not yet exist. And uh, even though Vietnam is uh, in the top 20 uh, countries in the world for Christian persecution, we thank God that just over the past four years, we've been able to plant over 40 new churches throughout northern Vietnam. Amen. Thank God. When we first were called to missions, we thought that we would be the ones who would be in the village doing the church planting. Sarah and I would do that, but in a, in a sensitive context like Vietnam, uh, we had to find another way. God opened up our eyes to another way. We are still, still very much involved with evangelism and church planting, but our primary strategy is to find Vietnamese men and women that have a call but need training. We invest in them, train them, raise them up, help them develop a plan, and then walk with them as they plant the church. We do a lot of preaching in church plants and new churches, but uh, not we do not plant the church or do not pastor the churches ourselves. But through that, God has exponentially multiplied our ability to see churches planted throughout the country. Here on the screen, you'll see a couple of pictures of church plants and some of the activity there. And I want to just talk real briefly about the two guys on the bottom left of the screen. Uh, we, the, as far as I know, these are the only two communist police that we have trained to be church planters. Uh, we have had other ones in our classroom, but they were not invited and they were not there to learn, I can assure you. Uh, but these two guys have a unique story, and uh, especially the one that is on my left in the picture he, he was, his primary job as a police was to find Christians and to cause trouble for churches, shut down churches if possible. Uh, very much like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, Fu uh, had that assignment. And as he went about persecuting the church and trying to shut down churches and persecute Christians, Christians continued to witness to him and to show him the love of Jesus. And through that, he got saved and God put a call on his life. He is a very tender hearted brother who is passionate about Jesus. And next month he will be planting, he'll be launching his church in the area. Amen. Praise God. In He'll be planting a church in the very same area that at one time he was a police in and uh, tried to stop the church. Isn't it amazing how God transforms the heart, opens the door, and the light of the gospel shines even beyond all of the political uh, ideology that had so blinded him and the spiritual darkness as well that had blinded him from from the from the gospel. Well, thank God for what he's doing. Uh, I, I could stand here probably for hours talking about uh, different ones of the 300 plus students 
students that we've trained and launched out over our time in Vietnam. But uh, through the sermon, I'll be talking about a few more stories. But before I transition to the sermon, I do want to share with you about our prayer cards and ask you to get one of those back here on the information counter. Here on the screen, on the on the right side of the screen in the middle, there is a picture there of me talking with one of our church planters. And uh, just a, a couple of minutes after this picture was taken, the guy that was traveling with me said, Pastor Jason, we've got to go. And things went from kind of lighthearted and, and fun to very serious. He said, someone from the bottom of the mountain just called me and said that the police just passed their house. They're coming up here. They know you're here. They know what we're doing. We've got to get out of here. And so uh, they, they put me on the back of a motorbike, a little bitty scooter behind a little bitty Vietnamese guy and said, hide back here. Uh, I can't hide back there. Uh, they, so, but for the next couple of hours, excuse me, uh, for the next couple of hours, things were very tense. They got me down the mountain. Thank God nothing happened then. Uh, I have been rushed out of services, hidden in the floorboard of our car, covered up with stuff to keep away from the police in the past. It is very tense at times in, in Vietnam. Thankfully, on this occasion, nothing happened. But what did happen was when we got to the bottom of the mountain, I got back to our speed delight, our missions car. I checked my, my phone. I had an email from a congregant, a church member in a church that we had shared in. And he said, Jason, you were in our church a year or so ago, and um, I heard you speak. And tonight, before my family and I went to sleep, we felt like the Holy Spirit stirred our heart to pray for you guys. I've never done this before, he said. I've never felt this before, and I've never emailed a missionary, but I felt like I needed to pray for you and let you know that I'd prayed for you. Again, we don't know what we were praying for, but we felt like we should pray for you. Well, I can tell you guys here at Mount Hope this morning, I know exactly why the Spirit of God stirred his heart, and it was because I was in this situation at that very time. And so whenever, whenever missionaries like myself ask you to take our prayer card, uh, I ask, we, we ask you to do it because we need you to stand in the gap for us. I know that I have a pretty family, and it may decorate your refrigerator very nicely, but that's not really why I'm asking you to take our prayer card. It's because we need you to pray for us. So please do take one. Uh, my kids will also be helping after the service running around giving out prayer cards. So please do that. Let's turn our attention to the word of God this morning. Um, I'm not going to preach long, but I'm going to preach fast. As uh, Pastor Rick already pointed out, I'm not from around here. And, uh, but I hope you can understand me. All right. <laughs> yeah, they did stamp my passport when we came in from Texas. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <clears throat> If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalm. We're going to go to Psalm 96. Before we dive into this, let's bow our hearts one more time in prayer. I'm going to pray in Vietnamese. You pray in whatever language is comfortable to you. Chum con kam an ngai. Kam an ngai vi ngai la dong thay chi va ngai ko quyen nang o chien moi su trong thời gian này. Xin Đức Chúa Trời buổi sáng nay mở môi tâm lòng và môi tâm trí của chúng con và giúp đỡ chúng con hiểu lời của Ngài và áp dụng lời của Ngài trong đời sống của chúng con. Xin Đức Chúa Trời xuất giàu tội thơ của Ngài buổi sáng hôm nay trong danh của Chúa Giêsu Christ. Amen. Amen. Not too long after my family and I moved to Northern Vietnam, one of the students that we had had in Southern Vietnam had also moved up and was living up in the mountains. And when we moved to Hanoi, Vietnam's capital city, he came down to the city and he said, Jason, I need to talk to you about something. He said, um, I know that you've moved here. You've learned our language. You've learned, you're trying to learn our culture. You're crossing that cultural barrier. 
but what I want help with is that in our area, there are tribes around us that have no Christians, that have no churches, and we have a burden to reach out to them. Now, this young guy, he was about 30 years old at the time. He had three young children. He lived in a house with no electricity or running water. He plowed his rice fields with a water buffalo. He had very little according to earthly standards. But all of that was immaterial to him. It did not matter to him. What he was most burdened by and what he was asking for help with was he said, I am a Christian my people group have received the gospel and we have a passion, we have a burden to get the gospel into these other villages in, among these tribes that do not yet know about Jesus. First of all, when I heard him sharing with me, my heart jumped with joy because we had been praying, Sarah and I had been praying for a way to get into these areas and to get the gospel into these never reached, unreached people groups. But the thing that followed that, the emotion and the thoughts that followed that was, here is a guy who has nothing except the good news of Jesus. And that is what he wants to do. He wants to share what he's received with those who do not yet know about Jesus. And when we look at the Gospels, when we look at the Old Testament, when we look at the epistles throughout the New Testament, we see that this actually is the heart of God. It is the plan of God that those who have received the good news of the Gospel be the ones who share it with those who have not yet received. All the way throughout the, New, the Old Testament into the New, you see this theme regarding the mission of God. We know that it is not God's will or that it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus said, I have come into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. At the end of time in Revelation chapter 5, when, when God gives John the Revelator this vision of what will come to pass, he says that there will come a time when there are people from every tribe, tongue, and language gathered around the throne of God, worshiping him because he is worthy to be worshiped by all people. It is God's desire. And the way that that happens is when God's people have a passion and a heart for God's mission and are willing to advance the mission of God, do their part to advance the mission of God in the world. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham out of his homeland and said, I'm going to call you to do something and to go somewhere that I will show you. God said, Abraham, I am going to bless you. And we in America, we, 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 really, we really like to stop there and just say, okay, okay, God, bring on the blessing. I like the blessing and thank God, God blesses us. But God doesn't stop there with Abraham. God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that through you, all of the nations of the world, in, in Hebrew, the word is mishpat, in the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, it's ethne, but so that all of the families, all of the peoples of the earth can receive this same goodness that I am giving to you. When we come to the book of Psalms, we find that the Holy Spirit is moving on the psalmist to remind the people of God through song about this same idea that God wants to use his people to share this goodness with the world, the good news that God loves them and that he wants to save them. 
In Psalm 95, the theme is the salvation of God. And when you come to Psalm 96, that theme carries over. And in the normal flow and the repertoire of the songbook of the people of God of the Old Testament, God wants them to be reminded about his mission and about his people's place in his mission in the world. Let's begin reading verse uh, 1 of chapter 96 or Psalm 96. It says this, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all of the peoples. We're going to go through this whole psalm uh, passage by passage. There are three major, three major uh, sections in this psalm and in the Hebrew poetry style. Each one of these sections start with a command or an action that we are to be engaged in. We're going to start here and we're going to see what the psalmist says regarding the mission of God for God's people. It says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. What I want you to focus on is verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. The first thing that I want us to notice is that the mission of God is personal. I know that sometimes when it comes to missions week or missions month, we kind of have the idea or the tendency, you know what, we're going to hear about things way over there among people that we don't know and people doing things that we will never do. But what I see here in this psalm is that the psalmist does not start there. As a matter of fact, he says, no, this mission is very personal. What I want us to see, first of all, is that the mission of God is personal, he says, sing of the Lord, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. In the normal rhythm of life, from Monday to Saturday, God is calling his people to be the ones, those who have received salvation, those who know the goodness of God, those who know that their sins have been forgiven by Jesus and that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God calls on them to be the ones who tell of his salvation from day to day. And I want to encourage you this morning that as we think about the mission of God and we think about advancing the mission of God, it is not first around the world, but is, as Pastor Rick said, it is first around the block. It is first personal with me. What God has done for me, he wants me to share that, to be a conduit of that goodness, of his salvation to the ones around me. Share of his salvation or tell his salvation from day to day. I live in the same world that you live in. And I know it's not all, it's not all easy. It's not all sunshine and roses. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it's not fun. And sometimes the easiest thing for us to do is to kind of regurgitate or be an echo of the negativity and the frustration and the chaos and all of the things in life and in our country that we don't really agree with. And if we're not careful, we kind of get sucked into that. And the joy of the salvation that God has provided for us and that he wants to flow through us kind of seeps away or it flows away from us and we don't really share it with those around us. 
This morning, as we think about the mission of God, God's desire to save all people everywhere, let us remember that it starts with us. It is personal. We have a personal responsibility because we have personally been impacted by the Savior, our God, who has provided this salvation. Amen? In Vietnam, we have a friend that we work closely with. Uh, he is, he's a great brother. He has endured a lot for the cause of Christ. He has been arrested, persecuted many times. As a matter of fact, he was arrested. He and his wife were arrested on their honeymoon. I'm not sure why they were preaching on their honeymoon, but they were. Uh, I was not preaching on my honeymoon, by the way. Uh, but they were. They're very passionate about Jesus. But whenever this guy comes into a room or you're in his presence, he's not, he's not moping around and frustrated and talking bad about those who have caused trouble for him. Just the opposite. When you're around this guy, he's smiling, he's full of the joy of the Lord, he's sharing about Jesus with people around him. And I encourage you this morning, maybe you're going through some challenging times, or maybe it's been a challenging season, and it seems to be justifiable to just have a negative outlook and to not speak positively about what Jesus has done for you. But this morning, as we think about the mission of God, I challenge you. See again what God has done for you. And remember that God has called us to be the ones who sing of his salvation, to tell of his salvation from day to day in our day-to-day -day life. But the psalmist does not stop, uh, stop there. He starts there saying the mission of God is personal. But he goes a step further. And I want us, I want us to pick that up in verse 8. He says this in verse 8. He says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all of the earth. In this part of the psalm, the psalmist is saying to the people of God, when you come together in the courts of God, which for the people of God in that time, it would have been what we know as church. It was where they came together to hear the word of God, to worship to, uh, to, to sharpen one another, to encourage one another in their faith. They wouldn't have called it church. It would have been in the temple or in the tabernacle. But he's talking to them as the people of God, as the body coming together. And what he says here is that when you come together, also remember that there is a mission for the people of God. And we know that part of the mission of God is to glorify God. Or part of the, the coming together, part of the coming together for the body of Christ is to worship God and to encourage one another. But part of that is also to, to fulfill or to advance the mission of God in the world. Sometimes we easily kind of let that slip. Not, not here at Mount Hope. You guys are, are, are very focused on the mission of God. But sometimes as, as, as people of God coming together, it's easy for us to kind of close our eyes and stop our ears and not really see the mission of God from the people of God to those around us. But here, as the psalmist is talking about the mission of God, he says, when you come together, don't lose your mission. Don't forget about advancing the mission of God in the world. In Vietnam, one of our students, his name is Zing, when he finished the training program, he had a passion and a burden to plant a church in a village where there was no church and there weren't any Christians he got a small team together. We walked with him through this process. And as they started working in, in this village, there was a significant amount of opposition. The chief of police in that village 
uh, made it his primary objective to stop them. He said there will be no Christians and for sure no churches in this village. It was very tough for the church planting team and our church planter. And after a little while, the chief of police got really sick. He went to the doctor, nothing, um, nothing, they couldn't find anything wrong with him. He came back. Uh, our church planter heard about what was going on. They went over, they talked with him again while he was sick. And be, they said, even though they came to him and they said, we know you've, 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 You've opposed us. You've persecuted us. You don't like what we do, but we want to tell you again about God and his goodness and tell you about God's power to heal you. And he said, well, I guess I don't have anything to lose. It seems like I'm going to die. Why don't you go ahead and pray for me? So they prayed for him. Not only was he healed instantly, he put his faith in Jesus. He now attends the church that he tried to stop and 19, amen. 19 of the 21 families in that village now attend that church on Sunday morning. It's a great testimony of the power of the gospel, but here is how it happened. It was because a small group of believers, the seed of that church said, we know our mission. Even though it's not easy and there's opposition, we're not going to give up on the mission. We're going to press through difficulties. We're going to stay focused and we're going to let God use us for his glory to advance his mission in this place. And I challenge you this morning, don't forget your mission as a church. Yes, it is personal. Yes, it includes us collectively. God blesses us and anoints us as his body to reach out, to shine the light of the gospel as the collective body of Christ. The mission of God is collective. But the psalmist doesn't stop there either. He goes on. I want us to go on to verse 10. He broadens the scope a little further as he moves through this passage. This is what he says. He says, verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Up in verse 3, he had said something very similar. Declare his glory among the nations. Looking at this wording among the nations in Hebrew as well as in English, it it seems that the psalmist has something unique in mind. It is as though he is not talking about staying here and saying something over there. But he seems to be that he is saying, go to them and from among them. Say to them, the Lord reigns. Say to them, our God is a good God. Our God is a saving God. And when we talk about the mission of God, it is indeed personal. It starts with us. It includes us as the family of God. But it also takes into consideration and is about them. It is about those nations, those people groups, those mishpat, those ethne who have never heard, who have no access to the gospel. In our world today, there are at least 2 billion people who have no access to the gospel. I'm not just talking about those who are spiritually lost. We know that there are many more than 2 billion who do not know Jesus. But in our world today, there are at least 2 billion people, over 7,400 tribal people groups around the world who have no Christian, who have no church in their language among their people. 
They have no access to the gospel. Even if they had a vision like Cornelius had in, in, in um, Acts chapter 10, there is no Peter to call for to come and to explain the vision so that they can know Jesus. And here in this psalm, as the psalmist is talking about God's mission to take the good news of God's salvation to all of the world, he says, say among the nations, say among those people too. And this morning, Mount Hope, I want to remind you that part of the mission of God, part of God's desire is that all people everywhere have access to the gospel. It's why God moved on my family and I to quit our jobs and sell our stuff and move to Vietnam 12 years ago. It's why you have a go team. It's why you're, you give sacrificially. It's not just so that we can fulfill our call or our mission. This is about the heartbeat of God for the lost. And this morning, I believe that God wants to stir us regarding his desire to see the good news of Jesus declared among the people of the world, especially those who have never heard. I believe that God desires for his people to pray, to give, and then some that he calls to sell it all, to rearrange their life agenda and to give their life for the cause of the gospel so that those who have never heard may hear. The mission of God, it is personal. The mission of God includes us as the family of God. And the mission of God includes those who have never heard, those who have no access to the gospel. I challenge you this morning to let the spirit of God stir you regarding your own involvement, your involvement in what this church is doing and in what God is doing around the world. As we come to the end of, of this passage and the end of this sermon, I want us to notice something that the psalmist says that catches us a little bit by surprise. It seems to be a bit of a misfit at the end of this kind of a celebratory psalm regarding the salvation of God. But this is what he says at the end of this chapter in verse 13. He says, for he comes, speaking of the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Seems a little bit odd to have this talk of judgment at the end of talking about salvation. But when you zoom out and look at other places in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament that talk about the mission of God, there is, there is often this infused sense of urgency that is a part of the mission of God. And this morning, as we come to a close here, I pray that God would help us to once again be reminded and to be stirred again regarding the mission of God, but also to feel again the urgency regarding God's mission in the world. There are many aspects of this urgency. One of the aspects of that urgency is that life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. When God speaks to us or puts someone in front of us that he wants us to sing of his salvation, to, to tell them of in our day-to-day -day life, we must remember that there is a sense of urgency. Another aspect of that urgency that we deal with as we talk about the mission of God is things like we saw with, um, in Ukraine this, this earlier this year. Whenever Ukraine encountered opposition, 
problems in their country. A lot of a lot of Christian ministry and outreach ministry had to be shut down because of what happened. And in Vietnam, we have an open door at this time, but we know that that may not be like that forever. There is a sense of urgency to do what we can while we can. Another aspect of the urgency that we know of is what the psalmist is talking about here is that one day that this, this time of grace, the church age, the church era will come to a close. We do not have endless time. We are on a timeline that does have a cataclysmic end according to scripture and the church must work while it can, must do what it can while there is time because as Jesus says, the night will come when we can no longer work. And I believe this morning that the Spirit of God wants to stir us again and hear the words of Jesus when he told his disciples in John chapter 4, don't say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. No, lift up your eyes and see again that the fields are ripe unto harvest now. We're talking about the mission of God this morning, God's desire that all people everywhere hear the good news of the gospel and I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would stir us and remind us of our place in his mission. And that he would also help us to sense once again the urgency that is infused in or that is a part of this mission that God has given to us to advance in the world. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we come together that you indeed are here with us. And I sense this morning that you are here, you're stirring our hearts, you're lifting up our eyes, you're challenging us and you're helping us to see again our place in your mission in the world. Jesus, this is why you left the splendor of glory was to come to earth and to pay the price for salvation so that men and women could be reconciled back to you so that men and women could know you, have a relationship with you. And I pray this morning for every believer in this room today, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to see again what you have done for them, how you want to use them, whether that's here in a local area, maybe it's in their passport country, maybe it's in some other country that has unreached people groups. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them see clearly your plan, your desire to use them in your mission in the world. God, I pray that we would not only feel this morning a sense of urgency, but that we would live with a sense of urgency. That we would live with a sense knowing that you want to use us and that we must be obedient as you lead us to be a part of your mission in the world. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this church. I pray that you would bless Pastor Rick and the leadership team here. God, I pray that you would give them souls locally, that you would give them influence locally and also around the world. I pray, God, that from this place that you would call pastors, evangelists, missionaries. I pray, Lord, that you would also mobilize every believer in this place to shine the light of the gospel in their context from day to day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been great to be here today.